Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Yo, everybody, and welcome back once again to a food-filled episode of Simpsons is Greater Than, a Simpsons podcast where we take a look at any single thing that you can think of that has to do with the greatest show ever, The Simpsons. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You might know me from my Simpsons collection over on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not, when you're done with this episode, if you could slide over to either one of those apps and check it out, you know, it would mean a lot to me. So I mentioned up top that this is a very food-filled episode, and the reason for that is my guest today is none other than Laurel Randolph the author of the unofficial Simpsons cookbook, which dropped yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. It was August 3rd, and I need you guys to do me a favor and go pick up this book, because according to the rules, as a Simpsons fan, this is something you have to own. Now, I don't make those rules, so don't get mad at me, but go get the book. You can find it anywhere that books are sold, and you can thank me later for that. But In this episode, Laurel and I talk all about the book. We also talk about how she got into The Simpsons. You know the deal by now, so let's just start the episode. The Big 4-0. Let's go. But somehow I've never heard it. My middle name is Lowell. Oh, Lowell. Yeah. I think Lowell used to be a man's name in Britain a long time ago. And then I have one time met someone with the last name, but one time. But it's where Lauren, Lauren and Laura and Laurie all come from Laurel. That's crazy. I like never meet people named Warren or Lowell. So yeah, I mean, yeah Laurel's about as close as I'm going to get. So I'll take that. I've met like three <laughs> I never, Warrens in my when life. When I meet a Laurel, it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there are some, but there aren't a lot. And so when we meet each other, it's exciting. Yeah, I, I, I've definitely had that like Millhouse moment uh, from Lemon yeah. Troy when I meet, <laughs> you meet your, yeah, your other <laughs> self. I'm like, wait, your name's Warren? My name's Warren. You know, it's like, I I feel like it's just not, and we're out there, but it's just not a common name. My mom, for some reason, really had it in her mind that she was going to name my brother and I names that you just don't hear as often anymore. So I was, I was stoked. I'm glad my mom did that. Warren's a really good name because people know how to spell it because it's a last name, some people's last name, but it's great. I like that name. Yeah, it come. It, it's you're not gonna forget it. You know what I mean? Like if you yeah. meet someone named Warren, it's it's not like they're named John or Nick. You're not gonna forget it. I would say the same. I would say the same for Laurel. You know. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, I, I could. Uh, I, I guess we might as well go ahead and, and start. Um, and I always start these episodes, Laurel. First of all, thank you for joining me today. It's gonna be a blast to hang out and talk to you about the cookbook and about The Simpsons, and I'm very, very excited about it. Uh, but the way I start them all, my listeners know this by now, is I ask, how are you? I'm great because I the cookbooks came in the mail yesterday, which is very exciting for me. Hell yeah. Just went and saw my family for the first time in a year and a half, so that was awesome. Um, yeah, so it's like venturing back out into the world is nice and... Um, Getting the book out there is nice. So I, 
you know, I can't complain. <laughs> Nothing to complain about. I mean, if you had asked me a year ago, I would have also said fine, but I would have been like, eh. <laughs> you know? Well, it's funny because, you know, I started asking that question because, you know, things were not so well when this podcast started. So I like to ask people how they're doing. And I'm glad that now when I ask that question, people are like, oh, I'm actually doing okay. Um, I will say on a bit of a personal note, uh, since this episode will be sort of food related, um, I'm doing great aside from the fact that some, I don't know if my listeners or anyone really uh, is familiar with what a tomato hornworm is. Oh my God, I know what that is. A tomato hornworm just destroyed my habanero plant. I mean, ate every single leaf, every habanero, uh, every single, I mean, it, it stripped it bare. It massacred my sweet habanero plant in about two days. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, on a, on a bit of a personal note, I'm actually pretty sad about that, but otherwise life is pretty good. Yeah. And I don't, I feel like you can't really do anything about those. Can you, other than like find them and pull them off or something, which that's is all like, I, that's all you can do. And they even say you're not, you shouldn't even kill them, which I'm not sure why. Uh, but they, I, I'm happy to report that these, uh, have safely moved on because a friend of mine has a bearded dragon and they like to eat those. So uh, he got a special delivery of uh, tobacco or tomato, whichever one they are, yeah. hornworms. Uh, and so he got a nice little treat. But uh, Laurel, the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast, and uh, I think it's going to be really fun to hear your perspective on this, is you, like you mentioned in your, you know, how you're doing, you just put out a Simpsons cookbook, the unofficial Simpsons cookbook. Uh, which I, you know, I've seen the book. I'm very, very excited about it. I'm excited for everyone to see it. It's awesome. Uh, what, how did that really come to be? I know you had an Instagram prior to that, but how did the cookbook actually happen? Well, it all kind of started, um, I'm a freelance writer and a food writer and a cookbook writer. And I started writing for Pace Magazine many years ago. Um, and they used to have a food section for their magazine, which is RIP. <laughs> but, um, I pitched writing a cooking the Simpsons series, which is basically a monthly series where I took a recipe from the Simpsons and tried to make it in real life and provided the recipe. And that was, I mean, at least five or six years ago, I did it for a couple of years. Wow. And I kind of, I pitched it because I'm a recipe developer and a food writer and I love the Simpsons. I have for a very long time and I wanted to Pace is an entertainment site and magazine. And so I wanted to kind of like marry the two. And it was a very selfish project because I was like, <laughs> if I want to make food from anything, it's that show because that show has so much food in it. Oh, it's yeah. kind of crazy how much food is in it. Um, you know, Homer is so obsessed with eating. So there's all of that. But also clearly the writers are really pretty food obsessed because there's tons of food jokes and like weird food items. And so <laughs> it's like a never ending well of subject matter. Yeah. Um, so I wrote that for a couple of years. And then when they kind of got rid of the food section, I stopped doing it for a bit and I missed it. So I just started, uh, I put them all up on a blog and started posting new ones. And then I started the Instagram and I've written a few cookbooks before. And so when I was talking to my agent, like, oh, what should we do next? Right. Well, we always talked about the pie in the sky project was a Simpsons cookbook because I had already done all of these recipes. I like, I love doing, I do them just because I wanted to. I did, you know, <laughs> not for anyone but me and for anyone who might be entertained by them. 
And so we kind of went through all these official channels. I talked to really everyone you're supposed to talk to about it, except for Matt Groening. Um, <laughs> went all the way up the ladder. And everyone was just like, I don't know. Like They had just merged with Fox and the copyright was very weird. And they really didn't know how to deal with the publishing rights. They've been like salt bought and sold with a bunch of different publishers. And so it was very like up in the air. Right. And basically everyone told me like, if you want to do it, you should just do an unofficial one. Yeah. So um, we went to um, Adams Media, which is part of Simon and Schuster, and they do some unofficial books, some really great books. And they were willing to try it. And I got really lucky because I had a very specific vision for it. I was like, if it's going to be unofficial, I want to be special. Like I want to like use that to our advantage in a way. And so like, I wanted to create Marge's kitchen and like take these, basically make the show real. Um, If we can't show stills from the show, like let's make, bring it into real life. And they just did such a amazing job and, and really took my input a lot. Like it was very fun to make. It's definitely my favorite book I've worked on. It's the best experience I've had. It's the happiest I've been with a book. Like, all of those things. So, well, I, I can I can definitely attest to the fact that it is special, and I'm not just saying that uh, because you're on this podcast. Uh, looking through it, I mean, so as a fan and a collector of The Simpsons, this is a perfect example of why I love The Simpsons because fans of the show uh, they don't want to do anything half-assed. You know, I, I had uh, Robert Getz on the podcast who did a book on Simpsons collecting back in the '90s, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he said similar things like he wanted it to feel a certain way and things like that. And I think that is a quality in Simpsons fans. I mean, I, I really can tell you put that time and care into it, and that is, you know, just something that makes uh, this book a collector's item in its own right. In my opinion, everyone should go buy it when they're done listening to this episode. I'm going to say that multiple times throughout this interview. So <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's great. Yeah. I think, um, I just think there's kind of no point in doing it if you're going to go halfway and, um, you know, if we can't use the art since it's unofficial, like I wanted to, um, make it something that fans would appreciate. It just not be a thing that exists because it can exist. It should exist for a reason and be something that would like make fans like me. Like I wanted, I wanted to be a book that I would want to own. Yeah. That absolutely. I would like see on a shelf and be like, Ooh, I, this is great. I want this. And uh, while I love buying books, but the bar is fairly high as a fan, you know, like just something that some random publisher put out. That's just kind of like generated content is not going to cut it. So, um, I'm very, feel very fortunate that I was presented with the task. Um, (laughs) I'm kind of shocked that there's never been a cookbook to me, to me, that's like, there's a lot of shows, really random shows and movies that have cookbooks that have almost no food in them. And this this show has been going on for so long and has so much food in it. And the fans love the food in the show. (laughs) Uh, so I was, I was like, yeah, I feel very fortunate that I got to do it. No, oh, yeah. And, and it sounds like you were the perfect person for the job. I mean, you know, it, it is going to look great. Uh, it's going to fit right in, in this room, I will say. You know, everyone that follows me has seen the room. It's going to look <laughs> it's going to look fantastic in here, or it does. And, well, another cool thing about the book is, obviously, we have a foreword from Bill Oakley, uh, a yeah. longtime Simpsons writer, one of my personal favorite Simpsons writer, been on the podcast twice. 
Uh, Bill is amazing. And he actually gave his own recipe to the book for tub, which I found hilarious. Uh, I trust that everybody's going to make that. Uh, How cool was it to sort of have Bill involved and have his uh, blessing on that? Oh, awesome. I mean, he was my my first choice of a person to write a foreword for it. Part of it is he wrote so many of the episodes that I pulled the recipes from um, or show ran like just tons of them. And he's obviously food obsessed. Like (laughs) he is a huge food guy and like posts all these reviews of different food places and different items. And so like who better? Like it was just so clear. And I had some um, connections to him and he's, he was just so game from day one. It was so excited yeah. about the cookbook, you know, he obviously recognized countless recipes and, <laughs> uh, wrote such a good forward for it. Like, um, no spoilers, but he, he like talks about the writer's room and them eating. He has such funny stories and yeah, the, the recipe had me edit his recipe. Cause he was like, he was like, I'm ho- I'm hoping, I'm kind of hoping no one makes this because it's so disgusting, <laughs> but in case someone makes it, I want them to, I want it to work. <laughs> so, right. So it should work, uh, but be very gross. You need a giant bucket to make it. So um. that's so gross. I mean, it it is a, (laughs) it it is a perfect marriage and, and again, no spoilers, but I will say the forward is, is very funny. If you like Bill, if you like his work, uh, you will, you will belly laugh at this forward. Uh, and also a, a, a bit of a spoiler. I'm sure by the time this episode drops, people will have noticed this, but they actually just used a clip of one of Bill's, uh, reviews in a Burger King commercial. So shout out to Bill. (laughs) That's coming soon. I saw him posted about that. Very, very funny. I know. I know. I love, I love it. it. So good. I love it. Well, so, you know, you did mention that you've done other cookbooks and uh, I, I, I saw, I know you did one about Instant Pots, which I think is, is really cool. Uh, yeah. So, you know, outside of just The Simpsons, where did your love of food start? Like what was your, you know, relationship to food and cooking and how did you get so into that that world? Well, I'm from Tennessee originally. Um, so I come from a family of like everything revolves around food, <laughs> literally sure. anything we're going to do revolves around a meal. Um, and always has been that way. And so, um, I'm from Mississippi, so I relate to that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, why would you get together if there's no food there? Right. Um, <laughs> so, um, my mom was a big cook and my, my grandparents. And so I grew up, um, appreciating food. And once I kind of had to fend for myself, really kind of taught myself how how to cook and really started to love it. And just, I started out actually marketing was my, my first job. And, but I worked at food network in in advertising uh, in New York. And um, I just always wanted to like shift closer to the food instead of just like selling the ads for the food. Um, and then I ended up at Series Eats for a little while, which is a food site, um, and decided like, oh, maybe I'll try to start writing and really just started writing um, like restaurant review type stuff in New York, very amateur, and then started writing for some local places. And then I um, somehow wiggled my way into like a couple of websites, writing food related content and built up some clippings, basically, and like built up experience you know, some of that early stuff is probably pretty bad. Um, (laughs) and, uh, throughout all of this, I'm just cooking constantly. Um, I love, I'm an amateur cook, but I love to cook and I've been cooking probably since I was about 16. So probably 20 years. And, uh, somehow what I've always wanted to do is write recipes. 
that's my favorite thing to do. I still write um, articles, food history, food culture, skills, kitchen skills, all kinds of stuff, ingredient spotlights, all sorts of stuff. And I'm an editor as well. So I, I do a lot, anything in the food space, I do all of that stuff, but my favorite thing to do is to write recipes. Uh, it's so fun to like come up with an idea, whether it's inspired by a show or whatever, or just <laughs> an idea I had, and then go in and be a mad scientist in the kitchen and just keep trying things until it works. It's like the best. It's so fun. You get to eat it at the end. Like, right. Wouldn't love that. Um, <laughs> So I, um, yeah, started writing recipes, started testing recipes, things like that. And then I wrote my first cookbook probably 2016, I think is maybe when it came out. And that was an instant pot cookbook. And it was before the instant pot was popular. Yeah. It was like when I wrote it, I didn't know anyone who had one. Yeah. They're Um, they're huge now. People love the instant pot. Yes. And so (laughs) it, uh, came out right when the Instant Pot became a thing and there weren't cookbooks for it. Uh, So it did really well because it was like the only cookbook (laughs) that was out. And now there are millions of cookbooks out for it. I mean, I've written a couple of them, Um, but I got lucky kind of, I wrote that for hire. So I didn't make any money off of it. Oh no. Yeah. But it got me a book agent. Like I would have never gotten they would have never let me write a cookbook otherwise. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So it got me an agent. It got me another book deal. It's gotten me to where I am now. So no regrets about that at all. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I, I like wiggled my way into the business. I really lucked in. I guess you could say unlucked into that first gig. Because <laughs> I could have a lot more money right now. Right. Yeah, that's. But <laughs> yeah, yes. But. Uh, I would never have gotten to write the books, the other books or write, written this book. So, yeah. yeah. So it really opened a lot of doors for me. I got kind of lucky that it hit when it did. And yeah, it's some good there. Someone recently said like people, no one writes cookbooks to make money because <laughs> you don't, you don't really make money, but it's so fun that you just want to do it. Well, I hope this, I hope this Simpson one, uh, makes you some money, Laurel, I will say. And, and I, you know, I sort of, I will say, I agree what you're saying about recipes and how fun that is. This is sort of something that, that I am new to. I'm in the process of trying to make some hot sauce. It's the first oh, time I, my, my listeners have heard me talk about how much I love hot sauce. And, uh, I, I was really inspired. I had, you know, a bit of a garden going, growing my own peppers and stuff. I was like, I'm going to try to make some hot sauces. And yeah. I got to say, I'm not going to give anyone my recipe, but I'm working on a watermelon mustard hot sauce. And that sounds like I'm joking. It is fantastic. No, that sounds great. <laughs> and I believe that everyone listening to this is going to want to buy it when it finally exists because it's coming. And uh, I'm very, very I excited about this hot sauce. I'm, I love that. I'm going to have to send Laurel some for sure. that's awesome it's good watermelon is a great base for hot sauce and it's not just a a tiktok meme it's actually very good in hot sauce uh, especially with the mustard so you guys keep your eyes open for that it's coming i love it i could see that i mean fruit-based hot sauces are always pretty good yeah well so i will say this and i won't take this off on a tangent we got simpsons to talk about but even just roasting watermelon in the oven with, you know, onions and garlic and then blending that up before I even started making it a hot sauce, that tasted delicious. That could be a soup. I mean, watermelon got a lot of savory applications. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm into it. I would try it in a heartbeat. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to be sending Laurel some recipes and and DM. Uh, So uh, let's let's dig in to The Simpsons a bit. I want to know, Laurel, you know, you say you've been watching the show for a long time. Uh, If you just had to sort of explain it broadly, 
What does The Simpsons mean to you? When did you start watching it? What is your relationship to The Simpsons? Well, I started watching it when it was on the air. Um, I wonder what season that would be. I mean, early, you know. Yeah, because I was as a kid, um, I wasn't supposed to. (laughs) My my parents barred me from watching it. (laughs) Uh, But when they weren't paying attention, because there were three of us, I would turn the volume down in like the the TV room and watch it and then watch Married with Children after, which I was definitely not supposed to watch. Yeah, but I think it all came from like, I think at one point my mom watched walked in while me and my sister were watching it and heard Bart say like, but, or, you know, like crap. And she was like, <laughs> no way, you know, like don't watch that. But uh, I watched it anyway. And whenever I could, I watched it anyway. And even um, my sister reminded me of this recently. This was a big thing when she, she's five years older than me, when she was um, like in middle school, they banned Simpsons clothes at school. Oh man. Yeah. Like wearing merch, uh, which to me is so funny because it just reminds me of like down with homework. Like it's just, (laughs) it's just like, uh, it's so silly. Like they just didn't under, you know, understand what it was or whatever, but it was just kind of during that backlash of when it originally aired. And there's so many jokes in the Simpsons that they make about that backlash, which is pretty great. Yeah. Well, and they also, I mean, you know, this is something I've talked about on the podcast before. They, you know, they started that when they put words like damn and hell on merch early on. Like they, you know, I'm glad they did. I think The Simpsons uh, caused so much good stuff to happen in animation that I'm glad they took those risks early on. But when you look back on it, you're like, yeah, it's not that hard to understand why parents were a little you know, slow to let their kids watch the show because it came out swinging with some pretty, you know, racy jokes. So I know they kind of leaned into it um, because I remember seeing a shirt one time with like Bart saying hell in it and being like, wow, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Uh, and my sister may have even had that show. That might have been why they got banned. But so it was kind of a show that like, it's actually pretty ironic that now I've written like a book with the Simpsons on it. Like my mom told me not to watch it, but <laughs> anyway, I watched it anyway. And then I would watch, you know, once I like got to high school and college, I watched the the reruns constantly whenever they're on. I always watched them. And it was just a show that I would put anytime it was on TV, I would stop. Like I would always watch it. And even I remember, I think in college, I knew when there was this block of Simpsons, they would show like two episodes in a row on a weeknight and I would watch it every time. Um, (laughs) And I had friends that were fans too. So we would make Simpsons jokes all the time. And so it's just always been this constant thing in my life. It's never dipped out. Like it's just those classic seasons, especially. Oh yeah. I've been on playing on repeat in my life uh, (laughs) up until a few minutes ago, you know, (laughs) and uh, my husband is a huge fan. And so like we, um, always have them on like if we don't know what to put on or we want something in the background or we want to watch something we will watch episodes I don't know it's a show that um it is easily that block of episodes those classic ones is easily my favorite show I can watch it anytime and I still laugh out loud all the time (laughs) you know like how many shows can you watch like a dozen times in a row and still laugh very at. few, very few. And I'm curious, does your mom, has your mom come around on the Simpsons? Does she appreciate it now? How does she feel about the book? She loves the book. She tested recipes for me. Um, 
on it. So she's a fan. She probably hasn't seen more than like three episodes, you know, total. I think it just <laughs> totally missed her. She had that like whole cut, like my kids shouldn't watch that and like never really returned back to the path of the Simpsons, you know, but she <laughs> tolerates it very well. I think she probably, if we sat and watched some episodes together, she would laugh at several things. Like she would probably find it pretty funny. Yeah, my mom finds it funny now. I've, I've definitely, yeah. like, if I've gone home to visit her or something and, uh, you know, there's nothing to watch, I might open up Disney Plus, throw it on. And, you know, she she actually gets a good chuckle out of a lot of it. So, I, and I don't think, you know, she was the same way, you know, Laurel mentioned we both grew up in the South and uh, especially in, you know, Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, places like that. There were a lot of parents, you know, that were extra tense about that sort of comedy in a cartoon. So my school banned the shirts also. My mom was a little iffy about me watching it. Uh, you know, I've, I've said this on the podcast before. She saw me watching Duckman once and just lost it because Duckman was even worse, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> so that, how'd she that's feel about like Ren and Stimpy? <laughs> oh God! So she thought it was really gross, but I also I don't think she ever caught any of the ones that were you know maybe not suitable. So she was just like, oh, okay, well if you want to laugh at you know boogers and farts, I guess go ahead. Yeah. But, you know, but she would see certain jokes in Duckman, and and Duckman had cursing. You know, yeah. he son of a bitch and things like that. And my mom was just like, why are you turn this off? It's like you know you can't watch this. So it's just, hey, we anyone that didn't grow up in the South, I promise you, mothers were ex. There was a lot of pressure on moms to really watch what their kids, children were watching. Yeah, well, in that that time period, like the the nineties, people got pretty obsessed. That's when they instated like the rating system, you know, on TV. And I feel like yep. people got kind of obsessed about what are kids watching, like. You know, it's kind of like after satanic panic stuff where they're just like, what's doing this to our children? You know, where it's just like, so they were really vigilant about like, yeah, what are, I think before that they would just set kids in front of the TV and let them watch whatever. Yeah. Well, and and you hear stories about, you know, uh, for instance, like Beavis and Butthead, the one mom blamed Beavis and Butthead for the reason her son started a fire and that all ended up not being true. So there was just a lot of these cartoons and, you know, it's like music and a lot of things were blamed for some some stuff that they're not necessarily worth blaming for. So yeah. the 90s it's was very, an odd time. <laughs> yeah, very Reagan era. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Crap. Absolutely. Well, let, let's talk more about this book, Laurel. And, and one thing that we talked a little bit about in DM uh, that I was like, hey, let's save this for the podcast because I know we're going to have a lot to say about this, are the colors. And you mentioned, yeah. you know, how much you cared about making sure the colors, you know, paid homage to the show uh, how important was, you know, w- when you're seeing these photos and you're, you're building these sets and things like that for the photos, how, how much was that like a key point to you in the book? Uh, I think it was pretty huge because we weren't showing, especially cause we weren't showing characters or stills. What makes it instantly recognizable is the color palette and the show does have a distinctive color palette. Um, that's wonderful. And so like <laughs> you need to get that kind of spot on. Um, otherwise people won't recognize it as a show and won't buy into, you know, what you're doing. Um, we had, I was very fortunate. Like if you write a cookbook very often, you, everything's out of your hands. After you write it, you just kind of shove the word doc at the editor and then they go bye, and, and you <laughs> don't really get to do anything. But for this book, um, I was in every, de- we had obviously zoom meetings, but I was in every design meeting and the, um, designers were really wonderful. And, very committed to making it look as much like a real life version of the show as possible. And so we went through all of these design boards that had, you know, literally blocks of color on them 
and then like props we wanted to get and how we needed to modify them. And we were comparing them to the still shot. I mean, it was very methodical, you know, way <laughs> of thinking. And um, they would buy props and paint them like just to make everything exactly like it's supposed to be. And like gave the, um, the photographers like very specific colors to match. Um, so that was all very sad, was really satisfying and seeing it like play out in, in, seeing the photos and like seeing the actual design come together. It was so satisfying because it is very instantly recognizable as the show, even without seeing the drawings themselves. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. As I, I've seen, you know, uh, just looking at these photos, I mean, they are truly like, you know, no exaggeration. You could frame these as prints. I mean, these okay. could be, a, these, could be <laughs> these could be a series of, of art. I think, I think you could easily sell these outside of the book. They are truly, truly great. Um, what, what happened to some of those props? Did you try to hold on to any of those? <laughs> oh, I've got some. Yeah. I, um, I was lucky this is such a weird book because we made it during COVID. Uh, so like I, for one of a couple of my books, I have made all the food and styled it, um, and worked with a photographer, but with, for this one, it was prime COVID time when these photos were taken. So the um, photographers are Harper Point Photography, which they're amazing um, in Central California. And they had to do it themselves because of safety. Like right. we just couldn't be in a photography studio together. Um, so they like made these cabinets and painted them. I got really lucky that they are big Simpsons fans. So like he, <laughs> they really understood um, everything and I approved all the props beforehand. And so when they got done, I got a big box of props in the mail. Um, they're mostly really just like dishes. If you took out a contacts, you wouldn't really know what they are, but the <laughs> colors are exactly like Simpsons colors. I have the corn cob curtain, which I need uh. to hang up in my kitchen and a couple of things I, they offered for me to come and get like the oven they built and the oh, cabinet. Man. And I was like, that is tempting, but I don't think it'll fit in my car. <laughs> I was like, right. Yeah. What, what could you do with that? That's insane. I know. But I was like, I, I hate for anything to happen to it, but I have no idea where I would put that. But I have the hanging, you know, they have the hanging um, fruit baskets that are like, yeah. that's hanging in my kitchen. Um, so I got little pieces, which, uh, make me smile every time I see them. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah. What a lucky break that the people working on it, you know, were familiar with this. I mean, it, it would be a real, a real tragedy. I mean, at this point, I like to think that most, you know, non lame people are at least familiar with the Simpsons, <laughs> yeah, but, but familiar. what if you, what if you, if you get to the studio and they're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm more of a family guy fan, but I, I think we can figure this out. You know, that'd be a bummer. I think it worked Meeting out It is like, <laughs> I know. No, I got really lucky that the guy who took, I think it's a husband and wife team and she does the food styling, but the guy who took all the photos is a big sense of the sand. So like that made me uh, so much less nervous since I couldn't be quite as heavy handed in my photo involvement. I got to see them every day as they came in. I got to approve them, um, which is great. But like, normally I would be there like, touching the food and like making everything perfect. Um, but he knew all the references. He knew the dishes, like he knew the show. So like that changes everything just makes me feel so much better. And he enjoyed working on it so much more. Yeah, no, like, I, had I a great time working on it. That's so cool. I, I would like to encourage you formally on this podcast. If you don't do prints of some of these photos, you should do like a poster. That's just a collage 
Yeah, um, a so bunch of them. Just, that would yeah, be very fun. as like a promo for the cookbook. You know, just throwing that out there. I, I would, I would buy it's it. Good idea. <laughs> That's good. Uh, well, so I made you know looking at the book, uh, I made a list of some of my favorite recipes. Oh, good. And I don't, don't want to spoil uh, too many of them, but I just had to write these down. So uh, the ones that jump out at me immediately, not only as great references, but just I find it so funny that these got in. Uh, Little meatloaf men. Yes. Uh, circus tent mashed potatoes. <laughs> a, a big pile of brownies. The name of that alone <laughs> made me laugh so hard. Uh, I, I uh, that recipe literally makes thirty servings. It's like <laughs> it's silly, but it's great. So good, uh, Mr. Burns fig cake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These references are so good; they're cracking me up just reading the names. Uh, my personal favorite: Homer's homemade Prozac. Oh, um, I'm so glad you like that one. You, you got to get the extra ice cream in there. Uh, so when you're, when you're making a list of food from the Simpsons, first of all, how long did it take you to decide? Did you just try to pull out any one you could think of, or did you have to drop some from the final product? Well, I have, because I've been doing, um, like blogging and stuff for a while, I had started a spreadsheet that is very, very long (laughs) for whenever I'm watching the Simpsons and I see a food reference, I drop it in and put the, the season and the episode, Um, and so it's probably got 250 or 300 dishes in it. And they're all just from like season one through 10 or 12. Um, and I'm sure it's not complete still, you know? Um, so it was tricky. I actually did a poll on Instagram at one point, just ask people, what are your favorite dishes? Um, I also just paid attention to like, what people reference all the time to me, like what they messaged me about, what they uh, would comment about, which ones that I posted that people like really responded to the ones that like have to be in there, you know? Um, And then I also had to take into account that it's a cookbook. So it has to have, like, I can't have like one drink recipe and 15 desserts and, you know, so it has to be a little bit balanced um, and I wanted there to be a few vegetarian things, which is actually kind of hard on the Simpsons or vegan. It is. Um, and just kind of make it so that it was, it represented all the classic seasons. There's some from one through 10 and then plus a couple, like there's every season. Um, it represented different characters. It represented different episodes that are really classic. Um but yeah, I tried to include everything that was like a must. I know people will still find some that they think are a must that aren't in there, which is just going to happen. Yeah. And there's a few that I had to cut that I wish I could have put in there. <laughs> um, but maybe we'll make an expanded one. I was going to say, maybe we get a volume two of the uh, unofficial exactly. We could do work. easily do a whole other volume. That would be easy. See, I'm, I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that I'll I'll pre-order that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so, do do you have a personal favorite recipe from the book that you actually think? I mean, I'm sure you made sure each recipe is good, but is there one that you're like, this is actually really good and you should make it? I'm curious. Oh, I mean, they are all really good. I'm really proud of them. I they're heavily tested and like <laughs> I we've eaten them. My husband's eaten them a lot. He um likes them. I will say that the rib witch is actually very good. Um, wow. It's like a nicer version of the rib, which it's, um, it's actually made, it's not like ground up mystery meat <laughs> and put in a, a press. It's actual ribs that are slow roasted in the oven. And then you just pull the bones out and then 
cut it up and put it on a bun, um, put barbecue sauce on it. And it's super tender and like, that's pretty great. Um, (laughs) The the big pile of brownies is really good. If you're having a party, like, you know, you need to feed dessert to like 30 people and you have a sheet pan, those brownies are really good. (laughs) So (laughs) I believe it. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. And you can pile them up and like maybe you know, have a nice moment with. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, There is such a great, the reason there's a few reasons I think this is great. I've talked about the photos. I've talked about the colors. A few things on this earth, everyone that listens to this podcast or follows me on Instagram knows this by now. Few things on this earth, bring me back to center like the Simpsons or make me laugh or bring me joy like the Simpsons. And if if you can tell me that not only do I get to enjoy a, a good meal, but I'm also making something that's going to constantly have the Simpsons in my brain. I'm seeing mm-hmm. this image. I'm thinking of Homer stuffing brownies in his face. Uh, that's just a winning combination. You're making good food. You're thinking about the Simpsons. Uh, yeah. And also, I, I like to pepper the Simpsons into my life at any opportunity. So this is just another chance to do that. So I'm excited. I know. I'm really hoping that people will make them and watch the episode. Like I would highly suggest, I think I wrote in the intro, um, like having now that we can do this again, having like a little like dinner party and having a potluck and you can, everyone can pick a different recipe from their favorite episode and bring some food. I've had a couple people share with me that they do that anyway with their friends, which is so fun. So like, hopefully this will provide them more recipes they can use. And, um, I mean, it just is like such a fun, like way to experience the show in a new way. Yeah. What an incredible idea. A, a, a Simpsons dinner party. I would also say uh, something else that would be fun uh, as like a, maybe even like a some sort of sub version later is just a Halloween edition or like a like a small like Halloween plus uh, some, some Halloween recipes would be very fun. I, yes. And there are some, there are some Treehouse of Horror in there. There's a couple in the cookbook, but I, I'm a big, I love Treehouse of Horror <laughs> so much. Yeah. So it's much. Up, and I could easily do like a separate little, just booklet of recipes. It's just Treehouse of Horror. I try to do, um, one usually around Halloween. I try to do Treehouse of Horror, um, recipe just on my blog, but <laughs> man, I love it so much. Forbidden donuts in there. Daddy soul donut, as I like to call it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, everybody uh, throw a three house of horror like party and make and make stuff from. This I know, stuff. make all of those so good. Sloppy Jimbo. <laughs> I made Uderbraten at one point, but it's not in the book. It's on the blog, but yeah. it's homemade sausage that has cocoa nibs in it because he eats so much chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, volume two, volume two, yeah, gotta, exactly, got to happen. Well, I mean, so this question is almost, you know. We almost don't even have to ask it because we're sort of giving the best example of this in this conversation. But what would you say is is different about the fandom of The Simpsons? I mean, we're sitting here talking about, you know, Simpsons fans go that extra mile. There's a certain like, you know, desire to do things a certain way and represent the show in a certain way. Uh, why do you think that is? Why do you think people that love The Simpsons are different? I think um, I would say, generally speaking, people who love The Simpsons have a really good sense of humor. The show is so funny and so smart and and so stupid at the same time. Like it's the perfect balance of smart and stupid comedy. <laughs> I think that's why I love it so much. And you know, like when you're a kid, you just you just laugh at the stupid stuff. But when you're older, you laugh at all kinds of things. Like the fact that they make jokes about people you really don't know who they are half the time. Like they reference, they make such old obscure references, but it's still funny. Um, 
is kind of incredible. So I think people who really like the show tend to, you know, they have good taste, obviously, but they tend to have a really good sense of humor. Um, They also, the show was just so dedicated in what it was doing. It's so consistent, those early seasons and the way it looks and the way um, the jokes are, I mean, every episode is incredible. And um, so I think, I think the fans demand some consistency too, in a way, you know what I mean? Like they appreciate it so much that, um, you know, they can spot a red herring. They can spot like really good fan stuff right away, like sniff it out. And, you know, I I say this a lot, but people who like the Simpsons get along. I mean, this is the first time Laurel and I are meeting, but I already know that we could talk about the Simpsons for the rest of the afternoon. So that's just how there's a special connection that people who love the Simpsons, uh, you know, bring to the table. And that's really, really cool to see. Um, so we're going to, we're going to move into a part of the the podcast where I ask you three questions, the big three. Uh, and the first one is who is your favorite character and why? That's very hard because I will say that it changes on like a daily basis. Who like <laughs> who my favorite is like I rotate between like ten different characters frequently. The first person I thought I'm thinking of today is um, Abraham Jeremiah Simpson. <laughs> I <laughs> I love Grandpa Simpson. I think they give him the most absurd speeches, and like he has some really funny physical gags too, and. Uh, he's kind of terrible, but he's lovable. Like he really cracks me up. And the, the, the little jokes they have with the family, just forgetting him all the time is very funny. (laughs) I love him out of the, the like core family. I rotate a bit too. I love Marge. I think, and maybe that's cause I'm a a cook (laughs) too. It's cause (laughs) she's literally the only one that cooks. Um, but she's so wonderful and she, sometimes has some of the funniest unex- and but unexpectedly funny parts of the show. Yeah. Um, and she's a saint. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I love Marge and I actually wish people, more people would say Marge. I think, you know, I've said in other episodes that I think Marge is a character I wish would be explored even deeper and more in the show. Uh, I yeah. can say that you are the first person to say grandpa. And I really like that answer. Ah! Grandpa's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, more love for grandpa Simpson, that <laughs> onion on his belt. He's the best. <laughs> so good. Grandpa Grandpa is slightly underrated. I, I think there are readings from Dan as Grandpa that rank really high for me and funniest. Yes. Uh, just, you know, when he just goes full, just, you know, there's something really special uh, the, about like that. Like, you used to have bumblebees on him. Like, the, those whole speeches are some of the funniest, to me, some of the funniest moments in the show. Yeah. Unbelievable. Totally agree. Yeah, Grandpa, great answer. Marge, a great backup answer. Uh, so let's go on the opposite side of that. Who is your least favorite character? Who is someone that you just don't get excited when it's a focused episode on them? I mean, all of the the like regular characters I love very much. Um, the ones that I'm like less hot on tend to be less frequent. So like I would say, um, like Disco Stew. I don't love like. <laughs> He's just very, he feels like a, like he should have appeared once and never again. And that's a funny joke, but then he kept appearing. Um, he's fine. I don't hate him, but he's just like, nah, I'm all like, wow, this goes too. Yay. Um, and this might not be popular. I mean, any of these pigeons could be unpopular, but, um, like, um, Duffman, <laughs> like Duffman can, I mean, I find it very funny cause it's perfect for like 
a beer ad. Like it's perfect. But Duffman himself is like, all right. <laughs> he's like, he's here. He's, he's doing the, oh yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It, you know, Barry's doing his thing. Well, it's funny you said yeah. about Disco Stew because, and, I, and some people might know this, some people might not. That actually is true. He actually was supposed to be a one-off joke. Uh, just for, you know, so Homer could, they could make a joke about his jacket, not having room for the D and, uh, the writers just sort of fell in love with him and thought he was very funny. So they just kept bringing him back. Uh, I, I mean, I will admit that I think disco stew is funny, but your point is true that I don't, I think if he had never came back again, he would almost be funnier. The fact that he was in that one episode, he would almost be funnier if you never saw him again. Yeah, and and granted, both of these characters, I don't like groan when they come on screen. They're not like, Ugh, get them out of here. I don't feel that way about really any of the classic characters. I mean, I could say Poochie, <laughs> like you know, but but I love that episode. So, um, but uh, they're not like ones where I would I wouldn't list them in my favorites. That's for sure. Right. You know? Yeah. If someone came on here and said, "Oh yeah, my favorite character is Disco Stew," or "My favorite character is Duffman," I'm probably just hanging up the Zoom call. I think I'd be a little. Bothered You'd be like, that. what? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, I thought about this one and it's definitely Duffman. I'd be like, okay, we'll have a nice day. <laughs> I'll see yeah, after giving it a lot of thought, Duffman's my answer. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Okay, well, what about uh, favorite episodes? Do you have a top three or at least, you know, I, I don't know why I always over explain this, but what are three that you immediately think of? If you were going to show someone The Simpsons for the first time, what three are you going with? Ooh, first time. Okay. Um, I think I, I have actually said this to a friend who hadn't ever really watched The Simpsons, which anyway. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with that person? You're still friends with them? <laughs> I know. I know. Um, you know, not good friends. Uh, sure. I think I said Marge versus the monorail. I think because even if you haven't watched the show, you probably recognize references to that episode. It's referenced so much and it's so it's so great it like has the wonderful song in it it has you know like phil hartman like it has like all the the trappings of like just a great episode of the simpsons um without you having to have seen really any other episode yeah that's a good um so i think that one would be up there i've watched it so much um i love not to pander, but I love bard of darkness (laughs) (laughs) i love that episode i think about it every summer that, I mean, so that it's it's not only a great episode, but it's a great season opener. I love that it's the first episode. I know. I of can't believe that's a, a season opener. What a strong open. Oh, God. So good. Yeah. Uh, I love that episode. And I love, um, I mean, I love all the Trios of Horror. Trios of Horror 4 is probably my favorite because I love all three of the, that's the Forbidden Donut. But um, I yeah. love um, the Twilight Zone cop, you know. Per usual, and then I love I love the vampire one. I know I think that's underappreciated. So, I find that one so funny. I do because um, it's like knowingly campy. Um, <laughs> it's like winking and nodding the whole time. It's so good. Yeah, um, I think I think the joke of of Burns uh, coming back to life and then dying again to say you're fired. Just one of the best. And jokes. like him, like hitting his groin, like, <laughs> and then going down the slide is so funny. Like, well, when am I going to be here again? Right. <laughs> right. Just, is so funny. Yeah, I love that so one. So good. P- people people have heard me talk about this uh, once or twice. I've posted it on Instagram. Uh, it's been a while, though. I need to repost it. I'll wait till this Halloween. Uh, but there was a, a, a version. Or there was a like this big like rubber, like almost like foam rubber doll of that Vampire Burns made in Germany in the late 90s. And it's so weird because 
this line only made five dolls. Like they made five characters and one of them was Burns, but not just Burns, Vampire, Vampire. Burns. And I've always oh, thought that was such How a strange. It's at least a foot tall. No, it's actually almost two. It's pretty tall. I need to measure it, but I think it's like 18, 19 inches tall. And uh, it's like soft. It's like a dog toy. And these are oh, some of the weird. most, it's by a company called a la carte from Germany, 1999. Everyone should Google it. They're very hard to find. And in fact, I'm still waiting on Bart. I need Bart. I can't find him, but I have the other four. Is but it just the, regular? It's regular Bart though? Yeah. It's just, so that's what's strange about it's it. So vampire. <laughs> yeah. So there's vampire burns, there's crusty, there's Homer, but he's Atlas. So instead of the world, he's holding up a big donut. And then oh. there's just regular Maggie and then regular Bart. So I don't understand what they were thinking when they made these dolls. It's almost like they just picked randomly out of a hat. Uh, but for some reason, they made a Vampire Burns, and it's easily one of the best Simpsons items ever. In fact, where is it? I don't know if Laurel's going to be able to see it. Usually it's in the frame. Whatever, you can't see it. But I'll, I'll show her after this oh, yes, interview. Yeah. I'm definitely going to show her. Um, That's amazing. One of the coolest things ever. So Vampire Burns, that treehouse is a fantastic answer. That's a I good three. I love it. I also love at the Adams Family movie and the, the slide is like the same. I don't know. I just, yeah, I yeah, love it. I, I also, I also have to say Lisa the Vegetarian because it is the most food-tastic episode. Um, it's also so good. It's, <laughs> I love Lisa. It's a good Lisa-centric episode. Homer's insane in it. Uh, and all the food, the food jokes in it. I could post probably at least 12 blog posts, separate recipes from that one in a row and like not have gotten through the whole thing. So good. Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's a fantastic one. Um, I, I feel like all I've done this, this whole interview is just tell Laurel other things she should do. So I'm not trying to, do, it would be awesome <laughs> if there were enough to do like a, you know, like a, a Lisa's version, like a vegetarian version of the cookbook would also be. Really oh, I fun. know a whole vegetarian one. I mean, her gazpacho's in there. Um, <laughs> But and there and there's a salad, uh, you know, has beets in it because she loves beets so much. Um, we got beets. Yeah, yeah, beets. <laughs> One of my favorite Lisa moments. Beet. We got beets. So um, good. I know, but yeah, you could totally. I need to do a tofu hot dog. I need to do a lot of things from that episode. Still, yeah. a heat lamp dog. Yeah, that's good. That would be great. <laughs> and just um, a bun, just a plain bun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it goes without saying everyone has to get this cookbook. I mean, I, I am, it's, it, there's so many cool things that Simpsons fans make and, you know, I get excited about a lot of stuff. Uh, but when Laurel reached out about making this book, I was just over the moon. I mean, it's, it's such an awesome project. I really love this sort of thing and it scratches that itch as a collector and just a nerd. So yeah, everyone's got to get it. Um, and that, that leads me nicely into this next question, which is, you know, clearly I exist online because I have a room full of stuff. And that's the reason I started an Instagram. It's the reason I started a podcast, really, just to talk more about The Simpsons. Uh, did you have any relationship? I know your mom didn't really let you watch the show. But at any point, did you start like, oh, here's a Bart. I'm going to buy it, put it on the shelf. Or here's a Marge apron or, you know, whatever it may be. Did you ever start grabbing some Simpsons stuff at any point in your life? Well, I'm not, a, I have to say, I'm not a big collector of anything. I have so much respect for collecting because I love this stuff, but I've moved a lot in my life and I tend to cull often, but I do have like some random things and I'm sure I will be adding to it. You know, I randomly add some, a lot of things like our um, fan stuff. Cause I do think some of the best stuff is um, 
fan made. Um, yeah. So I have like a couple of shirts. I have some like uh, little comics and stuff. I have a ton of pins because who can resist the pins? Uh, yeah. And then we have some like older, like books, like Simpsons books that they put out and sitting around and, um, that I still look at. And we have so a few figurines peppered around <laughs> the house. So I actually that. have more Simpsons stuff than anything of one theme. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't have very much, but I have more Simpsons stuff than like anything else. Yeah. Well, now Laurel's going to have to try to find that big vampire burns because I planted that seed. <laughs> Gotta. <laughs> Gotta get that. That's, that's really, really great. Yeah. I mean, you know, the merchandise and, you know, you talk about fans making stuff. I think that, you know, and I'm not going to name any names, put it put a spotlight on too many people that might not want, want the spotlight, but some of the greatest things that I, I know of that are being made in the modern era uh, are, you know, just fans making bootleg yeah. shirts or, or pins or whatever it may be. And there, I've said this before, but there's a lot of that stuff that it's like, man, I wish the show, uh, rather than them having to hide from the show, I wish the show would be like, Hey, this is really great. Let's just, you know, hire you. Let's get a cut of this and you do whatever you want. Cause Simpsons yeah. fans are so absurdly creative. Laurel is a perfect example of that, but the community online, and, and that's part of the reason I still do Bart of Darkness, uh, because if it was just me posting my collection and people liked it, that would also be fun. But the fact that I've met so many great people in the community that yeah. make things or create things, uh, that really just keeps me going. It's very inspiring and exciting as a big fan of the show and as a collector and all of that. So uh, it, it's it's a really cool thing that I can't stress enough. Uh, that community yeah. that people like Laurel and myself are part of is very special. So make Simpson stuff, everybody. Make your own, you know, do something. Just don't tell Fox. <laughs> yeah yeah i know just just don't tell them uh yeah i'll buy it <laughs> i mean the, it was definitely like um part of my like inspiration for doing the book was that um people do make such cool stuff and other people love it you know seeing that was very encouraging in terms of putting the book out so yeah yeah i mean i agree hundred yeah. percent. The internet is a very frustrating place. Uh, Instagram has gotten very frustrating to use at times. Yeah. Uh, but you know, again, there's, there's too much good stuff out there. There's too many cool people that I've met. Uh, so it, it keeps me going. So Instagram, please relax and let me just enjoy <laughs> the internet. God, I know, I know. <laughs> now, now that they, now they're trying to put ads and IGTV videos and all that sort of thing. So uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a mess sometimes, but, um, and it's so hard. Like, I mean, it's, it just makes me sound like Abe Simpson actually like shaking my cane. But uh, <laughs> but like, I remember when Instagram started and it was just like a feed of like everything you wanted to see. And now it's just a whole other thing where it's like, yeah. it's so hard for people to see your posts and like for you to yeah. see what you want to see. And, you know, that whole Facebook hand. I know. And, and, and if you're listening to this and you like my Instagram and you're saying, yeah, I feel like I actually don't see your stuff that often anymore. I hate to be that guy, but go put on post notifications because I post almost daily. And uh, sometimes the algorithm is my friend and is like, hey, all your all your people are seeing this. And there's yeah. days where the algorithm is like, oh, I don't want anyone yeah. to see this. I don't so, want anyone <laughs> to see this. And it's yeah. seemingly random. Yeah, so, seemingly yeah, random. For, for people like us who aren't a business, you know, where we're like paying for our Instagram account and stuff, which is like pretty prohibitive. Um, 
yeah, uh, notifications are your friend. <laughs> they are. They are. And I remember, you know, just to say this before we before we move on, uh, I remember when Instagram, you could be on the popular page with like 40 likes. I was on Instagram yeah. like really early on and it took nothing to get on the, like I had a buddy of mine post a photo drinking soda, like early on him and some friends with sunglasses or like, something. This is popular. And it was like, wow, this has 47 likes. This is crazy. You know? So Instagram has come a long way. Uh, so in some ways for the better and in some ways for the worse, but whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, complain the about more Instagram people on there, the more cool stuff you're going to find. Um, but then the more they like change how it works, which part of it's necessity and part of it's just money making is, yeah. um, yeah, it can be tough. They want everybody making reels now. That's, that's all they want. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Laurel again, uh, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, I could talk to you for hours, uh, but uh, is there anything else other than this book that you want to tell people about that you have coming out or just plugs or any shout outs or anything before we get out of here? I mean, that's the biggie. It's out August 3rd um, in the U.S. And then I believe sep- beginning of September in the U.K., which I get asked about a lot. I think it's out the same time, August 3rd in Canada. Um, and then internationally, you can get it shipped. Um, and there's a Kindle version, but don't you want to touch it? I don't know. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Don't you want to hold the book? I think you all want to hold the book. Yeah. Um, but I also, I'm posting it at Joy of Cooking Millhouse. I'm going to keep doing some new recipes that aren't in the book. Um, I'll get back. I'm getting back into that now that the book is coming out. So like you will find some new stuff um, on my page and on my blog. Watch The Simpsons. <laughs> Be cool. Yeah, be cool. Don't be a lame person. And again, you know, I will shout out the Instagram, the Joy of Cooking Millhouse, uh, an account that I was really, really into from the moment I saw it before I even knew Laurel or that she was making a cookbook. So everyone should be following that immediately. Some really great photos on there as well. And if we have nothing else, everybody, as for me, as for Laurel, I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out the official Instagram at Simpsons is greater than or follow me on Twitter at Simpsons is great. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bart of Darkness on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for checking this out. I'll see you next week.